As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hi, this is Andy. It's with great regret that I announced that I made an error on today's podcast and I know that you come to the Andy Staples show for only the most accurate, up-to-date information. And I, I take that responsibility very seriously. So I just want to let you guys know that there, there's a mistake in the podcast. And I felt like the only truly honest way to handle it was to leave it in there. As much as I regret it and as much shame as I feel for making it. But if you don't, grow and learn from your mistakes, then then you just stay stuck in the mud. So uh, perhaps having my mistake broadcast to the public will help me grow and become a better podcaster. So I just want to let you know that at a certain point in today's podcast, when Ari and I are discussing the heels of college football, I mixed up Iron Mike Sharp with Barry Horowitz. I said that Iron Mike Sharp was the guy who patted himself on the back. And that was absolutely Barry Horowitz. So I apologize, Mr. Horowitz. I apologize, Mr. Sharp. And I apologize to you, the listener. I'll try to do better. Thank you. Or you seem very confident that I am going to have to pay you $1,000 at some point in the next three years. Okay, I'm reading the lyrics by Rihanna. I'm going to try to sing it. Okay, go for it. Bitch better have my money. Y'all should know me well enough. Bitch better have my money. Please don't call my bluff. Pay me oh, what you owe me. Oh, please don't call my bluff. I don't think you. I don't think you understood the meaning of the song before you. Uh... Pay me what you owe me. Ballin' bigger than LeBron. Bitch, give me your money. Who y'all think y'all fronting on? Like bra bra bra. <laughs> oh man. I wish I could play. If I played the song from my iPhone into the mic, would would our podcast get taken down for copyright problems? On YouTube, it definitely would, and and possibly off of Spotify. Bitch, or, better have my money. You know, we could fair use it on probably on, on Spotify and Apple Music. We'd probably make that argument, but YouTube would absolutely like the algorithm yeah, would just yeah. I, I think that destroy us. The By audience the way, gets the point. Do I have? I've been yeah. called the songbird of my generation. That's it's, it's 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 like hearing angels wings flapping it really is so but by the way smash the subscribe button on youtube 
we're going to steal something, Ari, I think, from from one of our guests this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mike Golick Jr. is going to be the guest on Wednesday's show. He's got a new podcast called the Gojo Podcast. And what he's doing, we are so much, we were definitely stealing. So you know how we do the Dear Andy shows and the Dear Andy and Dear Ari shows. He's got a setup where if you leave a five-star review and you put a question in it, it goes to the top of the queue in the mailbag. So that, that here, listeners, five-star review, ask us a question. We will answer it on the next Dear Andy, Dear Ari show. Yes, yes. Um, and if it's a person who works higher up at a record label and you want me, just hit me at awasserman at theathletic.com. It, it's funny because that song, like that Rihanna song did not make much impression on me. Anytime I hear that title, I get it confused with Baby, I Got Your Money, Khalees and ODB. Baby, I got... Well, that's the song that you should be singing. Well... Baby, I, I got your money, don't you worry, say oh, hey. Oh, I got it. It's it's in the Venmo queue. It's just, I'm never going to have to send it. I'm yeah. just not worried about it. So yeah, I'm, I'm the those, guy that when I'm gambling, if the team is down in the first quarter, I get angry and think it's over. And I'm the guy who gets overly confident that it was free money in the first quarter. So I know we have a long way to go here, but I was like really bummed when Josh Connerly went to Washington and like, it's like this bet has turned me into USC fan where I'm like reactionary about everything that happens. That's why we're not supposed to gamble on sports, but Hey, it's a, it's a brave this is entertainment. World. Yeah, we, this is entertainment. We've, we've all got gambling sponsorships, including the athletic. And so yes, the, the deal is if USC makes the playoff at any point over the next three seasons, so the 2022, 2023 or 2024 season, I owe Ari $1,000. If they make the playoff this year, do I get like some sort of bonus? Do you have to pay me some sort of penalty? No. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. There's, when no, I started juice with- on, there's no juice on this thing. <laughs> you think they could now. make it this year? No. I was texting with Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, and he is coming. I think he, I don't want to speak. Is for he coming him, around? I think he's coming around to, uh, to daddy's side of the fence. So and this is Jordan Addison. Commits to USC on Friday. We, we, you know, he, this was the place that he was expected to go when he left Pitt. And he looked at Texas. Alabama may have been in the mix. And oh, Ari, 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 Ari. Did you just figure it out? Because I was going to say it if you just figured it out. You think the whole Nick Saban blowing up thing on Wednesday night was Jordan Addison going, ah, USC offered me a better deal? Um, that's not what I was thinking in my head. Um, what I was thinking in my head was how appropriate would it be if USC made the playoff this year and Jordan Addison, who came directly from your favorite college, Pitt is the catalyst for that. <laughs> That's right. For those who have not been listening for a couple of years, I had to eat mayonnaise. Probably the, the greatest moment in this podcast history. I had to eat mayonnaise because Pitt lost NC State in 2020. And and basically every time I bet on Pitt, Ari says, don't do it. And it's not it's not that Pitt loses when you it is Pitt does the thing that Pitt is not supposed to do. So if you bet on them to win, they will lose. If you bet on them to lose, they will win. It they just don't do what they're supposed to do. So yes, the the Pitt mayonnaise musk is all over this one. Because Jordan Addison now on to USC. This is a guy who caught 100 balls last year. He won the Bolitnikoff. He's got Caleb Williams throwing passes. It's Lincoln Riley's offense. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go pretty well. Now, I still stand by what I said that 
50s, 60s, 70 numbers are what I worry about more with USC. I don't think they have what they need to compete with Oregon and Utah for the Pac-12 title. Now, the Pac-12 no longer has divisions. Well, they, they still have them. They're still scheduled that way. But the championship game is going to be number one versus number two. I don't, or do you think that's even going to matter this year? Like, I'm not sure there's anybody in the North that would be the second best team. It, let's say Oregon is the is the best team. I'm not sure anybody in the North would be, unless Washington under Kalen DeBoer really. really no, I think it, I think that it's going to play out the same way it would if the division still existed this right. year. Yeah, it'd be U- Utah or USC probably in the South, Oregon probably in the North. I think that what we'll see two Southern teams before two Northern teams. That would make sense if it's Utah yes. and USC, but. I'm I'm telling you to to use the hockey terminology. If you've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, Oregon's going to be a wagon this year. Like Dan um, Lanning stepped into a nice, nice situation. Yeah, I would not obviously be surprised if Utah or Oregon won the Pac-12 this year and USC didn't go this year. But no team in the Pac-12 has nearly as much top end talent as USC. Like it's not even close. Um, I don't know. I mean, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell are pretty top end. Yeah, they're pretty good. They just don't play quarterback or receiver. And again, this is the problem. You think that I think that Jordan Addison is the person that's going to get USC over the hump, and that's not what I think. Well, that's what that's I, why you that's why reason, when he committed, you said you started singing no, Rihanna. No, 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 no. The reason why I did is because it restored my faith that USC, who I thought was hopeless in the NIL world because of oh, what happened with Josh Connerly, okay. Okay. is now a player, and I think it's an indication of what could be coming down the pike. Okay. If USC continues to be attractive destination for transfers, and, and I know that being a skill position offensive player is probably the thing that speaks to people the most given Lincoln Riley's reputation, but if USC becomes sexy again, like I have been talking about for the last you know, six months since Lincoln Riley did this, that this is a trend and I, that is going to lead to them being very, very good in the future. Right. Uh, and I think and, the three years is an eternity. Have to, right. It doesn't necessarily have to be, because I keep saying lineman, lineman, lineman. I understand what you're saying now. It doesn't necessarily have to be lineman out of high school that they develop. They could go get some good lineman out of the portal. Next yeah. And like when you give the, you, th- when yeah. you give me three years in, in the transfer portal era, it might as well be a decade to me. Like their entire roster could be like 20, uh, 20 or 2001 Miami by the time three years goes on, depending on how things go. Now that's an exaggeration, obviously, but like, I think they're going to be very, very good. And I would be very surprised if they weren't the odds on favorite, heavy favorite to win the pac 12 by year three. So I don't know that they'll win it this year. Um, though I do think that if things come together and Lincoln Riley turns them into Oklahoma, they could, Here's, like, here's the other ch- problem here. Winning the Pac-12 hasn't been enough for the Pac-12 champion the last five years. Well, so yeah. that, Can't that's a twice. problem, too. Can't lose yeah. twice. Um, if you dropped Oklahoma teams into the Pac-12 um, the past five years, mm-hmm. the ones that made the playoff out of the Big 12, they walk into the playoff from the Pac-12, right? Some years. It, I think it depends. I they. 2019, that Oregon team probably would have, would have given them a really good game. Uh, but the other years, yeah, I think they probably would have. So it's like, do we do we think that he could just make USC into a carbon copy of Oklahoma? 
like a team that can just rock shit in the regular season, beat teams that are but here's are the average, and then just make the, the play because it's Big only 12, making the playoff. But the Big Twelve didn't have anything like what Oregon is, and I now the, Utah's a different animal in terms of how they're they're structured. But Utah would be more like your Oklahoma State and your Baylor in in the Big Twelve, where they're your tough out, they're your well coached, always going to give you a problem kind of kind of school. But there there was nobody in the in the Big Twelve that had that kind of top end talent except I, I guess maybe Texas, but they didn't do anything with it. Like Oregon actually has done stuff with it. Yeah, and if they lose to Oregon three consecutive years and don't make the playoff by year four. Like, I just think if you asked a general fan of college football, what would you think of Lincoln Riley's tenure if that happened? They would say it's like a huge failure. Oh, failure. he'd be on the hot seat, I think. So that if that point. happens and I'm wrong yeah. and I owe you $1,000, then, like, if I'm wrong, I'm going to be very wrong. And if I'm right, it's going to be easy. So I'm very curious. I think we're going to know very soon if we're on the right track. But my anticipation was that USC would be the West Coast iteration of Oklahoma and I don't think it's going to take as long as you think to make them the West Coast iteration of Oklahoma the one thing I want to know is and maybe you know this better off the top of your head than I do but like hasn't Oklahoma's defensive line been a very big point of contention for them and has problem so like you know all the things that you're saying I feel like existed at the previous stop and he made the playoff like what four years in a row Yep. And and I know there's no Oregon in that conference, but like I mean, I think you can make the case that the Big Twelve is more competitive from top to bottom than, you know, well there's also there is a Utah. And if you don't have a very good defensive line, that that's a problem. Like Utah's a problem. Yeah, I mean, and if they're losing to Utah, then you know, I'm very wrong. So, you know. Uh, it's you're gonna be very wrong and you're gonna pay me. It's it's fine. It's cool. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to buy with your money. Yeah, thousand dollars, boy, that goes a long way these days. I'm going to make it go a long way. Maybe, maybe it'll be a down payment on the in-house uh, fountain drink machine I've always wanted. Oh, could you? I think I've Brent actually, would leave me before that happened. I have actually I like looked into it. getting a, a Coca-Cola freestyle machine. Like, what is that? T- no, the it's, freestyle machines are like twenty grand, aren't they? You, well, you got to rent it basically, and and then and then you got to pay for the the syrups and that yeah that's it gets i don't know how much i have no concept of how much a bag of coca-cola syrup is i don't either and 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 probably with inflation it's probably a lot more than it was so you can buy about a year ago you can buy a fountain drink like you would see in a fast food restaurant Mm -hmm. and i'll send you a text 
with it, just so you can picture what I'm saying. But just like a Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, yeah. lemonade. Yeah, with the with the hoses, and you, you attach them to the yeah, the, car, the carbonated water and the syrup. Forty two hundred yeah. bucks. <laughs> so that's so I'm I the think, down payment on the uh, on the fountain drink machine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would I would finance it, but I do I do feel like this is like within the realm of possibility. And I do what think else, that it's one of the five googling, coolest. Ari. What's that? What else, <laughs> what, have you been what else have I been googling? Uh, I'm afraid to do this because you never know what's going to pop up. Uh, bitch, better have my money lyrics. Um, AC Milan money line spread. Uh, <laughs> mop replacement. Uh, <laughs> Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> uh, that, that's common with us. Snow tires. I don't know what's snow going on tires. Over. What are you <laughs> yeah, looking up snow tires for? <laughs> it was just an inside joke with a friend who who said he could buy a car and, and didn't feel like he needed to do it because he lived in Salt Lake City and. Uh, he said the snow tires were too expensive to buy the car, and I thought it was a joke. That's like if you're going to buy the car, the tire shouldn't be the thing that deters you from buying it. I get into the dumbest arguments with my friends. You'd have no idea. I had a 20 minute argument with a friend in a group chat today about whether or not Domino's should ever be ordered sober, and he was like personally offended that anybody would ever eat Domino's sober, and like we were arguing about it like it was like a family feud uh, for 20 does, minutes. Does he, have, like, does he have kids? He has one kid, yeah. But he said if he ever is going to have something delivered to his house, then why would he get that crappy pizza when he can get anything from Uber Eats? Yeah, it, a kid's probably not old enough yet. But yes, once once your kids are in the, you know, I don't like that you use your range. kids as the only reason. Well, I get it with four with before it's it has nothing to do with kids. Yeah, I know, but you you have the palate of a five year old, so it, it you matches. Don't think the, you don't think that the Wisconsin sick cheese just slaps? I just think it's good. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the best pizza on the face of the earth, but if you want pizza and you want to watch it during a football game and you want it quick and you want it to be consistent, because I'm of the opinion that I I have a better pizza place in front of my neighborhood that's actually closer to me than the closest Domino's. Like it, it. Do they have the cheese bread there at the at that local pizza place that you're talking about? They have their own cheese bread that is very very good. I would bet my life that it's not better than Domino's. Domino's cheese bread is not as good as you think it is. It's one of the top five dishes on the face of the earth. And, I know and you category. think. I know okay. you think that. And like maybe not. I have the palate of a. Like I'm not saying I'd rather have Domino's than my favorite pizza like, place. You are, or you are like this buddy I have from high school. You're on this other guy's side of the of the equation. Eats, it's it's frustrating eats, me. He eats steaks, burgers, and chicken fingers. Like that is you. But I rarely now, eat chicken fingers. Why? They're delicious. Because I always feel like shit when I'm done. <laughs> It's like one of those, it's one of those foods that just, it's too heavy. Like, I don't no, know. It's like too fried. To but I, I am not on this guy's side of don't order Domino's sober. He's like, offended had, that you would choose to eat Domino's over any other pizza place that's locally in your, in your neighborhood or on Uber. Well, if I have, yeah, if I have a choice, if I'm going to, especially now with the, how I spend my calories and all that, I'm not going to Domino's. But don't you have a choice every time you're ordering pizza? What do you mean if I had my choice? No, sometimes my kids want Domino's, so I order them Domino's, but I don't get it for myself. So you're on his side. Yeah, I guess I am. I guess I'm a snob. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the pizza industry in general is 80% mediocrity. So like well, yeah. if, so like it's, if you, if most pizza places are mediocre and your favorite pizza place um is available to you, then I understand getting your favorite pizza place, but yeah. sometimes Domino's just hits in a way that other places don't. No, it doesn't. The same way that McDonald's doesn't have the best hamburger and fries on the face of the earth, but sometimes it just hits when you need it. No, you know? it doesn't. I never <laughs> choose a McDonald's hamburger over anything unless <laughs> it is the only thing available for me to eat. Sometimes things... How about this? Do you agree with this? 
sometimes the lower quality version of something, even though it's not the best hits when you need it. No. So you're just, you get the best version of everything at all times. If you can, if it's available, if you have no choice. I just think that Domino's has a very important part on the pizza ecosystem. And yes. it's like, if you want to order they can a quick get it pizza. To you now for cheap and your kids probably like it better than good pizza. And it's like, it's just perfect to, to eat while you're sweating a, a, a sporting event on Sunday night, you know, and cheesy bread. No. Uh, 60% of the time it hits every time. So I made I, trout I don't know. tonight on What's the grill. That? I made trout tonight on the grill. That's what we had. Well, aren't you a slice of pie? That, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, actually, that's, I'm not a slice of pie anymore. I used to be a very large slice of pie. And yeah, I'm, I'm much down six one. pounds since I left Ooh, Phoenix, by the way. Nice. Awesome. On the Lose It app. So we're we're humming right now. Um, that's what I'm talking about. And like I could never order cheesy bread on this app, which is like the worst thing in the world. You can, but it's probably the only thing you could eat. For the day. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could do some serious workouts. Like there are days when I want to eat a ton, but I don't trust the iPhones. Wa- the iPhone uh, calorie. Stop counter. worrying about how much weight have I lost. I'm telling well, I mean, you, got the it's metabolism accurate. of a Greek god, though. So because I work out, <laughs> it's working. Yes, yeah. I'm, so, I, I'm doing good. I'm doing so. Good. I'll burn. I'll have a day if I'm if I have a day where I'm not working a bunch and like kids are in school or 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 they're out of school and, and it's a weekend day and I really want to eat a lot. I'll, bu- I'll burn like 15, 1600 calories working out. I'll work out for like hour 42 hours and then eat what I want. And you really, you're fine. So while you were saying that, cause you, I, I was thinking about being skinny, but I was Googling something in the background. Fountain Coke syrup. Yep. A two and a half gallon bag of regular mm-hmm. Coke. Yep. Guess how much that costs? Twenty-two dollars. Eighty-nine bucks. Holy cow. But how I, much but Coke I, does that make? That's two and a half gallons of the syrup. So I don't know how much of the right. syrup it takes. My understanding is that it costs a fast food restaurant a fraction of a cent um to fill up your yeah, large I fountain. Would, drink. I would think that that two and a half gallons of syrup would go a very long way. When mixed with the carbonated water, which is probably very cheap. 80% of it, right? Or yeah. 90% of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm going to read the reviews. Um, it goes bad after 18 months, so you got to hit it uh, after 18 months. I think you could probably manage that in 18 months. Um, it makes about 30 gallons of, of Coke. Okay. You can, you can drink 30 gallons of Coke. The app's not going to like you. Let's see how many calories are in thirty gallons of Coke. Well, how many ounces are in how many ounces are in a gallon? One hundred twenty-eight. Okay, so what's one hundred? I can do this off the top of my head, I think, or on a calculator. We are bad at math on this podcast. So there's one hundred and twenty-eight uh, ounces. Mm-hmm. So that's ten ten cans per gallon. Uh, there's. Times. <laughs> this is this is great pod right here. Okay, it's forty eight thousand calories in thirty gallons. Yeah, uh, are we sure about that? Um, pretty sure, but you can double check my math. I did. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, forty. I get forty four eight because I think you're doing a different per can. I added one hundred forty per can. It's one fifty per can. 
Is it 150? Okay, yes. then you're right. Then you're right. Yeah. Um, okay, you can handle that I, over a year and a half. It is crazy because the worst thing a human being can drink or eat or consume is pure sugar. Is pure sugar. So, yeah. and it's like in this app, if I've got 2,500 calories in a day, I, I theoretically could have a can of Coke every day and still lose weight. But you like, could. it seems to me that like I wouldn't total lose weight. Waste. That, that's, that's one. There's thing nothing that, more refreshing on the face of the earth than an ice cold can of Coke on a hot day. Then drink Coke zero. It doesn't hit the same way. It it does if you just drink Coke Zero for a while. Then then when you drink regular Coke, it tastes wrong and it hurts. It, it actually hurts your teeth, like your teeth tingle with the real sugar. Yeah, it, I mean it's terrible for you. Um, but you have to take you have to like Coke Zero tastes terrible to somebody who drinks regular Coke. No kidding. So stop drinking regular Coke. Start drinking Coke Zero, and then Coke will taste terrible, and you will avoid the choice with all the calories. And this is the part where I know a bunch of you are going to go with all the calorie, all the chemicals in Coke Zero. You're going to die. No, I, I guarantee you, it'd be worse if I were drinking regular Coke. Yeah, I will. I will drink a Coke, a delicious Coke. There's a reason they're making the can look just like Coke now. Yeah, they're trying to fool people. Well, they don't need to fool me. The red See, can thought, does does to have like a psychological impact on what you're about to I get. thought I thought Coke Zero was a was a wonderful idea because I had stopped drinking full calorie sodas, but Diet Coke sucks. So I don't understand why it took them 30 years to figure out if you just make a Diet Coke that tastes more like Coke, it'd be better. But they figured it out finally. Yeah. I mean, I think that Coke Zero is much easier to drink when it's on draft. Like coming yes. out of a can, it's hard. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I would pour. I, I would recommend, especially if you're new to it, pour it over ice, and you and you'll be yeah. a little bit happier. But yeah, do you want to talk think, about college football today, though? We, we probably should. So we we've gone through the USC thing. Jordan Addison going to USC. That the the Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison part of that is going to work. Like they're going to have. Good skill, talent on offense. They should be able to score some points. I, I, you know, how much are they going to give up? What happens when they play teams with elite defensive lines? That's that's those are my questions. That's that's the big thing. But I do think you are closer to winning your bet than you would have been had he not shown up. Because I, for the reason you said, I think your reasoning is right on that. It is an attractive destination. This means they can they can do the NIL stuff because we were we were kind of wondering with them for a little while. They were they were kind of behind. I was ready that. to pay you when I thought they were behind. Yeah. Well, we don't really know where everybody is. We, we don't. We can, all... we can assume that Nick Saban thinks Alabama's behind. I, I want to get into some of the new rules that got passed last week, but but I also want to want to revisit the Nick Saban thing because the last time we recorded, we had not seen De- uh, Deion Sanders response to Nick Saban yet. But also, I've just had more time to think about it. And I've always been one of the people that's like, oh, Nick Saban, everything he does is calculated. Uh, he has an end game in sight for everything he does. But I'm I'm willing to go here where and say that even the best coach of all time, he's not infallible. Like, he messed up here. And it's – so, one, if you saw Dion's response on Anscape, which is used to be the undefeated, John Jacques Taylor is the reporter he talked to. Dion, I think, broke it down better than anybody else, where he basically said, look, Nick Saban wasn't talking to me, and he wasn't talking to Jimbo Fisher. He was talking to his own donors, saying, 
if you guys don't get cracking on this and aren't willing to to re reload this fund every year, then there's a chance Alabama could fall behind on it. And that's him issuing a warning. Where he, I think, miscalculated was he figured he could mention some specifics, throw some red meat at the crowd, and that would be fine, and nobody would do anything about it. But the thing is, he he called out the two people who are least likely to be afraid of him. Or least likely to be quiet. Right. And have no fear of saying something. Because like almost every other coach in America, if Nick Saban calls them out, is going to be like, privately is going to be cussing them out. But publicly, he's going to be like, well, I don't think, I, I don't know, I can't really say anything. Jimbo Fisher didn't care. Like, I mean, that was, worked. I'm still kind of coming down from the high of watching that. It was crazy. Like, just, I, I still I still would love to see raw video of Jimbo Fisher first hearing about this. I mean, remember, that, was, that was like legitimately personal. Multiple people attempted to calm him down and attempted to talk him out of that press conference. And it didn't work. And that's, yeah. that's what he, so that's probably the toned down version of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot about the podcast that we, we did the other day. And, um, I think it's also a calculated move by Jimbo Fisher because I think Texas A&M people take great pride in, yes. in, in what he did. Yes. You know? and, and, I, and, and Nick's talking to his people and Jimbo's talking to his people. I, I do. I, I know a lot of Texas A&M people and I feel like they are all in on Jimbo Fisher. Yes, and you know, they will and be I, a, unless for some reason this does not pay off in, in a SEC or national championship down the road. But well, how long do you think he has before he's not loved there? Oh, he's got a three or four more years. Okay, of, I, I was you, I was going to say four or five years. Yeah, and if you keep doing this, you're gonna. It's just like we kept talking about with Kirby. You keep doing this, you're gonna break through. So I'm not sold that Texas A&M is going to be able to do this for five straight years, though. They might not be able to. I don't and know I, if they can do it for two straight years. Well, and that's that's the other question because then then you you may have to adjust your expectations down. Like Kirby got it rolling, and like you and I were on we're banging the Georgia's going to win the national title drum all last off season, and it was the the reasoning behind it was if you keep recruiting like this, if you keep building like this, you break through. It just happens. You can't keep getting bites of the apple and not breaking through. A and M has to do this more than one year in recruiting. Four years, I think. Yeah. And that's that's to be Alabama, they have to sign what they did last year for four three more years. I would think three years of it. But yes, I I'd agree. And and you know get get yourself in position and hope hope and pray LSU doesn't get back to full power because then you've got the other problem. Now we'll see what they do with the divisions in the SEC, but that's I think that's not something that gets changed until A and M and sorry until Texas and Oklahoma show up, and I don't think that that's not this year and it's it's I don't think it's next year either. It might be the next year, at the very latest is twenty twenty five, but that's still you know that's a ways off. So it it is a so I think where Nick Saban miscalculated is I'm not sure he thought anybody would break the the code like the Omerta that coaches have about talking about that stuff. And Jimbo Fisher broke it and did not seem to care one bit that he was breaking it. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the more interesting thing because that's the sort of thing that was only talked about privately. No, you know, 
what they call the mafia La Casa Nostra. It means our thing. And, and, you know, you watch the Sopranos and we don't talk about our thing. Like you're not supposed to talk about that in polite company and mixed company. And, and Jimbo did. And I'm not saying that Jimbo's wrong to do that. I I don't blame Jimbo for anything he said after getting called out like that. Well, here's the thing that we didn't mention on the podcast last week, and I want to run this by you. Okay. When we were in Scottsdale doing the podcast out in the heat and your computer overheated, (laughs) we were making fun of the fans on Twitter for regurgitating things as fact without checking it and just assuming everything was true. Yes. I think Nick Saban did that to donors while being filmed. Like he said things that he heard that he just assumed was true. Right. Right. Like, and, yeah, I, and you, listen, I know that when you're Nick Saban and you have the Intel and or Intel, that was not a Brian Kelly fake accident. I just said that weird for some yeah. reason. Um, that these guys are encountering recruiting battles and they have staff and Intel and all those. Sort, I mean, he knows about more what's going on behind the scenes than we do because right. he's living it. That said, like tossing out Travis Hunter makes a million dollars to go to Jackson State. Yeah, or I that, read it in the newspaper. You didn't read it in any newspaper. That never appeared in any newspaper. So yeah. I thought that was the more I've thought about it, I thought for somebody in his position, regardless of what his resume says, that was highly irresponsible. Like you can't just, as as a coach, you can't just like be like, Well, I heard this on uh through the grapevine and I'm just gonna throw it out there at people while I'm being filmed, like nobody's gonna see this. It's just like that was like a and I hate to say it in such blunt terms, it's just like a really stupid thing to say. So and like he could have accomplished the same goal, the same calculated Nick Saban goal that you always talk about, um, without being specific about direct divisional rivals and another program that doesn't even play at the same level as his. Like it just didn't seem like when you say Nick Saban messed up, like I just don't see the benefit of what he did being worth the fallout of what happened. No, and I don't think he thought it was going to blow up the way it did because, I, I, again, I don't think he thought Jimbo Fisher would break the code. And I don't think he took Dion seriously enough to, to worry about it. We'll be right back after these words. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I will say, again, after seeing Dion's response, and then he went on Mad Dog Radio on Sirius XM and talked about it. The more I see Dion running his program and dealing with stuff like the more impressed I get, and the more I think. If you have a Power 5 opening in the next couple of years, you are crazy if you don't try to talk to him about it. Okay, uh, now, who are the top five jobs where you think he would fit perfectly at? 
and, well, and like nothing that's like Georgia, okay? Because everybody no, no, but Florida like, State obviously. Do you think like is he is a hireable candidate if Florida State moves on from their coach after this year? To yeah, I don't, I don't think Mike Norvell is going anywhere. I, I don't think they're going to move on. I actually think the the way they played for him at the end of the last season, they're going to have a little bit better roster. I think he's going to be fine. But like but in a that, fake that, world, if Mike Norvell were fired at the end of the year. Yeah, you go out. You, you go is Dion hireable right now to you and to them? And yes, your yes. And there's another now. If he goes two and ten at Jackson State, but I don't think he's going to. He went eleven and two last year. So Georgia Tech is another one. Arizona State, Atlanta, is another one. Yeah, Arizona State would be sick. I just feel like Arizona State is like the gimmick program. Where they're always trying to do something different. And I just, don't think Dion's but a Dion's gimmick. But Dion's not a gimmick. The, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But I'm saying it would just seem like, I don't know if Arizona State would be the right place for him because I think if he went to Arizona State, he would be viewed as a gimmick because Arizona State is the gimmick capital of the world. Yeah. Like, And he wouldn't want to be the latest in line of just like, well, wow. we're going to try something completely off the wall and hope it works this time. I'll, I'll give you one. So Dave Doran's probably going to have his best team at NC State this year. Let's say he has a great year and gets another job and NC State opens. Dion there. There's there, listen, there's good players in North Carolina. You're not that far from Atlanta. You know, you, you can recruit Florida. I, I don't I think you could win there. You yeah. Win big. Man, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. If Lane left Ole Miss. No, Florida State is just the perfect place for him. I mean, it it does. It literally is is not just because he went there, but it's just like a former powerhouse program that has struggled a ton the last few years located in a place that's got direct lines to a lot of the players that he's selling right it, that, that I, is i really think it would work that is not as well resourced as a lot of the the places that that he's gonna have to compete with and that's i mean jackson state he's competing with power five schools for recruits and getting them to come to jackson state i don't care what you say or what nil deals you think he's setting up the resources at Jackson State are very different than the resources at Florida State or at any other Power 5 school that he's trying to compete against for recruits. That he got anybody who would have gone to a Power 5 school, who had legitimate offers to a Power 5 school, to sign with Jackson State is very impressive. You can say what you want about the NIL stuff. Travis Hunter is going to get NIL stuff at Florida State, too. You got, y'all didn't think that was good? He was the number one recruit in country. Like... I'm with you, bud. I mean, I, the second that Travis Hunter went there, I said that Deion Sanders was a power five candidate. And then everybody said that I was an asshole for saying it so soon. But like, it, it's true. I mean, I, you if know how I feel actually, about. Yeah. If he hadn't actually won, that'd be a different story. But they won. Yeah. They did. So I'm fascinated by all of that. And I, I, I so of the three coaches involved, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Deion Sanders, I felt like Deion handled it the best. Well, yeah, because it was like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher both kind of came across as like slapping each other like this, you know? Yeah, like it was exactly. just like it was just like, all right, guys. And it's like funny, too, because there isn't just like one team that signed the number one class and then the 37th best team. It was literally the two two of the best recruiting classes of all time on paper. Like they both won last year. And I think that Nick Saban was a little upset that he was beaten by somebody that hadn't won. I think that regardless of how or why, you don't become the greatest by, without being a psychopath 
in the sense of you're just constantly competitive. So, and so, he would be a liar if you told me that Nick Saban does not care that they finished second place in the recruiting rankings last year. So, so it was okay when Kirby did it to them because I think Kirby it's more understandable when their Kirby, system, right? Yeah, and Kirby yeah. was at a place that has that has all those resources and is in the most talent rich state in America yeah. and only has Georgia State uh, Georgia Tech to contend with. Like I think that Georgia doing that is is what you would have expected the second that he walked out the door. The fact that it's A&M and everybody kind of uses A&M as like the punchline to their jokes of like, well, they're going to be 9 and 3 or 8 and 4 or whatever four, anyway yeah. and you know, what have they ever done? How many times have they played for the SEC champion? You know the jokes. Yeah. Like for them to be able to quote unquote NIL their way into the number one overall class, I think is something that would annoy him. Yes. And that's basically what I wrote in my column about. I, I, yeah. And I, I agree with that. I think, I think you're right about that. So it, it bears watching. I don't think we're going to get anything interesting in Destin. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Greg Sankey has basically put the, the kibosh on anybody talking about this in public again, which you know, this is his predecessor, Mike Slive, was was big on that of keep it keep it all in the family. And I think, you know, Sankey realized you gotta you gotta do that or you get this. Now, I would argue all of this is great for the game. All of this is fantastic. It's we are talking about college football, and not just us, because we are always talking about college football here. College football led first take on Friday. Good. Exactly. This just makes, because again, I, I keep telling these folks and I keep saying it, nobody wants to hear it. They're in the entertainment business. So if you, you don't have to be WWE, like you can be genuine and, and, and it doesn't all have to be a work. But I think genuine disdain for one another is more interesting than drummed up fake drama. So amazing. It's because they do hate it. Like I was always, I was always going to watch that game. I was always going to be very interested in that game, but now that is the game I want to see more than any you other know, game this season. What has always irked me, what's that? Is you have these uh, press conferences before a boxing match, mm. um, and these guys get in each other's faces, nose to nose, and they, you know, they hate each other. They say funny, mean things to each other, and then the second that the the boxing match was was uh, over, what do they, they do hug. every time? They hug. They hug. Absolutely. Show respect for each other. Hey, we. And I feel like. It's like people taking, like getting over on us, or it's like fake record, like people do fake feuds with record sales all the time, right? And mm -hmm. hip hop music. And it's just like yep. Kirby Smart kind of was off to the side a little bit, but I do think that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher genuinely don't like each other. Well, I think we, that the, and like to that me, is that abundantly is clear now. inherently yeah. more compelling than drummed up fake boxing promotion. And this is why Steve Spurrier was so great for college football. It's interesting to me, you know, as someone who, who was around him a lot, now when I talk to people who are Tennessee fans, who are Georgia fans, who hated Steve Spurrier more than anything else, they love him now because they knew he didn't like them. Like, he did all this because he hated them. And they, they appreciated that. Who, you know, the thing is, is that if you go back and think about it, and you, I might, if I'm putting you on the spot here, just tell me and we can, we can revisit yeah. it in a later episode, but who are the five most unlikable head coaches of the last 10 years in college football? If, I guess to if borrow the word heel. Right. Okay. So 
And this doesn't necessarily mean that we think they're a bad person. This is just they are people disliked. like is Nick Saban a heel? He, no, because he's I don't too think good. he is either. He's too yes. good because everybody respects him too much. So like is Lane point. Kiffin a heel? Yes, because there are people who vehemently dislike him. Still. He's he's anti- he's antagonistic. Yeah, you're but your own your own fans love you. That's the difference between wrestling and football. Like if you're a heel in wrestling, you're supposed to be disliked by everybody. Now they figured out, I think, at the beginning of the century that you could be you could play a heel and then become beloved as a heel. That's what a lot of those guys did and became more beloved as heels. That's like New World Order and all that. But and it kind of happened in television too. Yeah, yeah. Where the you anti, start the like age breaking of the bad. Yeah, right. Walter like, White is Tony a Soprano, horrible person. Yes. but he's the hero. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so Lane. I think Lincoln Riley right now. Lincoln Riley. Well, I want to say biggest, this before yeah. you keep going, though. But I think there's a very big difference between disliked and being a heel. Right. Right. Like, because I don't think people like Brian Kelly, but I don't know if he's a heel. I think you're right about that. I I think I think Lincoln Riley might be the biggest heel in college football through right actions. now through his actions. Right. He hasn't done anything. Hasn't said anything to cause that. But he's definitely Jimbo cut a hell of a promo the other day. Alabama fans. Do you fans think that college football fans him. are like, yeah, Jimbo, or no. Jimbo's an asshole? I think he's the heel. You think Jimbo's the heel? I think they I think they're fine with him going at Nick because of because Nick started it. But I think if you ask an LSU fan, if you ask an Ole Miss fan, if you ask an Alabama fan, they don't like him. Is there like they a view thing, him as a and heel. maybe I'm, you you know this, and you're gonna be taking me on my SEC tour, so I'm gonna get but is there this thing in the SEC, and then we'll get back to the heel conversation because I think it's funny, um, but do other SEC schools just don't like A&M? Like, does A&M right. have like a weird, like sitting in the corner of the classroom vibe, or is it just kind of how I, I, it, I view it? So other Big 12 schools really hated A&M. They, they looked down on them. They thought they were kind of weirdos because they, they, it's, you know, kind of cultish behavior, and the A&M folk, like, Casey Smith, we had her on. She's like, it's a cult. She's a grad. You know, that's it is. But but I don't see their behavior as all that different than a lot of very passionate SEC fan bases. I think they're very similar to Auburn. They're very similar to Tennessee. I just uh, like to picture and, Texas A&M walking into a high school lunchroom with their food on their tray. Where is where's Texas A&M sitting down? So they're the, it's a weird dynamic, though, if we're talking about the high school cafeteria. So Texas A&M's a rich kid, but not a well liked because a lot of times the rich kid gets people kind of glom onto them because they feel like they got a nice car, they can get a ride in a nice car. Yeah. They throw good parties, the, their parents' liquor cabinet is always stocked. But in this case, the rich kid it, is always liked. There but this is this is more <laughs> I cannot believe I'm bringing up this show on on this this TV show on this podcast because I I was sure this would never come up. Did you watch The Gilded Age on HBO? I didn't, know. Okay, so it's the creator of Downton Abbey decided let's move Downton Abbey to America and make it and set it 20 years earlier. So you're talking about the 1890s in New York. And it's like all it's like this, wealth and royalty in the 1800s. But but even in America it was very similar to 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 it was more similar to Britain than than people wanted to admit. Because in America you could make your own fortune, you could come from nothing and make a fortune, but Society did not view new money as valuable 
or worthwhile. So it's it's about the push pull between the new money people and the old money people who may not actually have all that much money anymore. And so it's a very new money, old money dynamic in the SEC, which is not the high school cafeteria. It's more Great Gatsby, you know. That's what I was going to say. East yeah. egg, West egg kind of thing. But it is it is a very much a, a new money, old money problem. And, and it's not it's not like Texas A&M didn't just come into money. They've had resources, but they're new to the SEC. And there hasn't been But are they that a, much richer than all the other SEC schools? They're not, but there hasn't been a new... Like, remember, Arkansas and South Carolina came in, but they're not the same level. Now, Arkansas has got money, but not like A&M's got money. And, and like when Texas gets there, it's going to be the same thing. Does A&M have the richest donors? I don't know if they have the richest donors, but they have... They they would ha- I I would say they have richer donors on average or or their median big donor is wealthier than the median big donor at any other SEC school. I don't know about Big Ten schools. I think the big the Big Ten schools might have have some some pretty big money. Uh, Texas obviously has some. So, but I do think if you're talking about the other thirteen now, yeah, I'd say they do. And and that's a lot of what Nick Saban was probably trying to channel and communicate to his donor base. Like, the state of Alabama is not as wealthy as the state of Texas. Like, that is a fact. There is no, there's no denying that. There are more people in Texas. There is more money in Texas. You name it. And, and one of the major American industries is in Texas. Correct. So that's where that's coming from. So I the the dislike of Texas A&M I think it's that it's it's a little bit of fear if you're Florida, if you're Auburn, if you're Tennessee, you're like, "Wait a second, we've been here the whole time. Are these guys going to come in and then be better than us?" Like to this point they haven't really, but they could. The potential's there. I don't know who they fit in with. Like who they sit they want, with at lunch? They want to be they want to be like Georgia and Alabama more than any program wants to be like Georgia and Alabama in college football. Their fan base is as starved for success as any fan base in college football. Very similar to Georgia's fan base until January. But Georgia has a little Alabama uh, Alabama ness to it because of their head coach. Like I feel like Georgia has long belonged as an afterthought in the Alabama discussion. Like I feel like being a a program that has been in pursuit of that for over a decade is a little bit different than Texas A&M showing up with their oil money from a different conference and feeling like they should be in that sentence when they haven't necessarily put in the groundwork to be viewed that way. See, I think the and, problem for the problem for Texas A&M, like Oklahoma is not going to face this because Oklahoma was just winning all along like A&M. And, and this is this is the frustration for A&M fans, I think is they've had all these resources and they've been in leagues in the Southwest Conference and in the Big 12 that they could conceivably win and dominate, but they don't. They just never have. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, but like, I don't view their coat. Like, I think that they're kind of a misfit in their conference. Even it's like they're a misfit in their conference, but they fit in the SEC perfectly. And it's like this well, weird that's, paradox. Well, that's exactly what I, I remember talking to some Oklahoma fans in 2011 when Texas A&M was moving and they said, well, you know, good luck with the, you know, to the other SEC people dealing with those people. They're so weird. I'm like, y'all know they're just like Auburn fans, right? Like there's very little difference. And 
And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like they, they yell real loud. They do crazy things. They have all these, you know, and, and it's not just Auburn, but everybody like Ole Miss has their crazy sayings and, you know, Mississippi state has their cowbells. Everybody's got their things in the sec, like Oklahoma and Texas. I know the Oklahoma fans don't want to hear this, but at least Oklahoma Texas and Texas can sit with each other in the lunchroom. Well, they can. And Here's the thing that I said because Texas A and M's not is, is not able to sit in that at yeah, that table. Well, when we learned Texas was coming, I said this, and I I, I believe it. I believe this is what's going to happen. Texas and Texas A and M will find out they have a lot more in common when they're in the SEC, and they may find themselves on the, on the same side in a lot of arguments. Yeah, even if they don't want to be. Like this is a it's a very special episode of the OC in the SEC. I need to go back and watch that. By the way, I've never seen that. It's pretty good, and it's my favorite it's place good. in the entire world. So Ad, Adam Bro- Adam Brody is hysterical. Rachel Bilson, it's probably her her second best work behind Heart of Dixie. You know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go watch it. I, I need a. There's a lot of really good dramas out right now about murder that I'm into, uh, but if I need like some. It's on in the oh, background. It's, type. it's popcorn. Yeah. yeah. And you'll burn. But that, that was back in the day when they had like 23 episodes in a season. So there's, oh, like, good. there's a lot there. They, like all of these, all of these good looking, you know, young people have slept with one another within like, I'm in the two thirds <laughs> of the way through the first season. So, okay. So heels though, Andy. Yes. Cause I, can I tell you who I think is a heel? Yes. Cause I don't think Jimbo's a heel. You just think people I find, don't like him? I find him to be likable. Yeah. Oh, I thought that well, the way he acted kind Florida of Florida State was, fans don't like him. <laughs> no, I, I know. I think that, yeah, I mean, I guess if you found a, a coach whose fan bases hate them, like you, Jimbo's on the list and Lane's on that list. But, like, I think Dabo Sweeney is a heel. I think you're right. I, I th- and, and obviously, Clemson fans love him. But his, his – and what's weird, so it's not shtick. It's not an act. That's who he is. But how we view the things he says has changed based on their success. When he they says were stupid stuff all the time that he shouldn't <laughs> be saying. And I think he's the most one of the most brilliant coaches in the sport. And I have an endless amount of respect for what he built Clemson into, even though I don't think it's gonna I last. just I don't think he understands that he's Darth Vader now. Like he, he doesn't I think he just it, says it things and doesn't even occur to him that what he's saying is bad. Well, I definitely think that's true. And like I don't know if it, and it's not and I don't know that it's a result of his success. No, Maybe he's more comfortable saying the things that we, he's saying sh- because of his success. We shook it off. We shook it off when he was just kind of coming up because you're like, oh, you know, they're they're just trying to get things going. And then once they did, then you look at him in the same vein as Nick Saban or as as when he was coaching Urban Meyer. And there is know, a little and, bit of an arrogance too, like I'm not going to adapt because what I do works. Well, it seems to me like it kind of mildly annoying, but that he thinks zero, he's above the 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 adaptation and the. But evo- that's more zero sum, Ari, because either he's going to be wrong or he's going to be right, and he can laugh all he wants if he's right. But if he's wrong, he's in trouble. It's going to be bad if he's wrong. So that that's the that's one of the most interesting stories to me over the next couple of years of college football is finding out if Dabo Sweeney's right about this. Where's your money going? That he's wrong. My money has been on he's wrong dating back to oh, I know. a year you're, and a half you're, ago. You were I called this stuff doctor. like Nostradamus. Uh, <laughs> and I you know, I'm I don't like I'm wrong. You notice I didn't make any bets with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying like I know I'm wrong all the time, 
But like Clemson fans hated me a year and a half ago, and it's like the writing on the was on the wall for this. If they lose two games this year and they sign the number nine class in the country, it's like it's over. Like they are, I think that they are on a much closer tightrope walk than they think in this in this coming season. Well, here's the thing: they're now going to have a, a school in their own league that acts like they do and acts like Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Texas A and M. Because that's that's what Miami is now, and and their ads in, at Miami now. Yep, and he knows exactly how Clemson was built, and he's going to help Mario Cristobal build Miami not the way Clemson was built, but the way Alabama was built and the way Georgia was built. And it's going to be tougher. It's going to be much tougher if Miami is doing spending the same way Clemson is, but acting like Alabama or Georgia in the way they do it. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go on a limb and say that Dabo is the biggest heel in the sport right now, and Lincoln Riley is close to passing him. Depending on he's one weird press conference away from passing him, I think. Right, Lincoln just has to say he something doesn't say that, anything that that offends the Oklahoma people. You know, it's just like he, like Dabo's entire viewpoint of NIL. Yeah, it's so archaic and wrong, and it's like I understand that what he's saying makes sense. Like. He doesn't want money to corrupt the educate. Like I get it. Like he's, I don't know that he's coming from a bad place, but like the Delta airlines comparison, it's like, dude, what are you saying right now? Like, it's like, I'm thinking like, what are you like? You are making so much money and you've built this program and NIL is literally the next frontier of the sport. And you're comparing your players to the bag checkers. Like, is that really like what you want to be saying right now? I was in the, uh, in the crowd at big 12 media days when Charlie Weiss did his look at this pile of crap out here. Like, you can't say stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I was like, and I, I'll tell you one thing. Trevor Lawrence was not a bag checker. <laughs> no, um, he was. He was the pilot. <laughs> I'm looking through the, the the list of names of head coaches to see if I'm forgetting anybody. But like, I don't know who like Lincoln Riley and Dabo Sweeney come to mind. I think that Brian Kelly is just not likable. Jim Harbaugh. Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Is Jim Harbaugh absolutely absolutely a heel? Heel to him. I don't know if he is. Anymore. He's a heel when He's, they're winning. He certainly was a heel when he got back to Michigan. And but I don't was, know that anybody just dis- do people dislike him that aren't Ohio State fans? Yes. Maybe the Michigan entire State SEC fans. disliked him for the for the longest time. Now they don't care. Cuz like after they beat Ohio State, he came out there and, and said that Ryan Day was born on third base. Like that is yes. heel behavior. That is that. But like but, if it's only directed at one other program, I don't know if that counts as a national heel. Well, but remember the the satellite camps, all that stuff. The, he took a Climbing lot of shots trees, at the yeah. yeah. He took a lot of shots at, at the SEC folks there, and and made a lot of you know people dislike him. So, but it's he was the worst kind of heel it. where you stop being a heel when you're losing. Well, it's it's just not mu- as much fun. Like like remember I well you you didn't watch you're younger than me, so you wouldn't remember this guy, Iron Mike Sharp was a guy they tried to I think they tried to make him a bigger deal as a heel but then it just never happened. Was he a wrestling guy? He's a wrestler. Yeah, and, I don't know anything about wrestling. And he he would put like a handprint on his back and pat himself on the back and like he uh he was what they call a jobber. And the jobber's job in the house show is to get his ass kicked by the star. And there are good guy jobbers and bad guy jobbers to to go against whether you're going against a face or a heel. He was a he was a heel jobber, but I think they thought they might be able to put him over at some point, and it just it never worked out. So Jim Harbaugh went from like heel star to heel jobber 
But then he beats Ohio State. Now he's back to heel star, and we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm looking around. I'm looking around here. Who who are we James forgetting? Franklin. I think James Franklin is. I think James Franklin's like talking to himself a lot. No, I th- listen, opposing fan bases in the Big Ten do not like James Franklin. They don't. I mean, because it's like I remember, and I don't know if this is just because I was covering Ohio State at the time and I was in that bubble, but like Wisconsin Brett Bielamo was a heel. Yes. And and Illinois Brett Bielema may eventually become one. I just do you have to win to be a heel? Because I feel like you can be a heel without winning. You just have to say what's on your mind and offend people all the time. I don't think you can be as much of a heel because if you're not a threat, then people don't care that much. Is PJ Fleck a heel? Yes. Yes. He is vehemently disliked by multiple fan bases. And again, that's he's just being himself. Everybody's like, that's an act, that's shtick. No, that's him. You may not like it, but that's him. It is, it blows my mind how boring so many of these head coaches are. <laughs> like I'm looking yep. at this list right now, and it's like this person doesn't even have a personality. Like, I don't even gonna name the list, but just like what I don't even know how to describe some of these people. So who are who is are Pat Narduzzi a heel? I think he No. I don't think so. He speaks his mind for sure. He says things sometimes. We're just like, hmm. Yeah. Now, here's my question. Who are the baby faces? Like, who are the beloved ones? Like, Dana Holgerson seems like... Everybody likes West Dana Holgerson. West Virginia fans don't like him, but everybody else does. Uh, who are the baby... Jeff Halfley's a baby face. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Jeff Halfley. Um, Mac Brown. <sighs> Mac, for sure. Although Mac was a heel for a while. Mac had a heel. Matt turn. Campbell? Matt Campbell is definitely a baby face. See, Dabo was the ultimate baby face coming up. What's and Mike? Then yeah. He made ahead. the heel he made the heel turn without knowing it. <laughs> Mike Gundy, what's he? I think he's a heel. I think he wants to be a heel. Why? Because of all like the political stuff he was saying? Like I don't even no, know. No, like- I just think he's perfectly fine with it. Like he doesn't care what anybody thinks. Like, um He's the one most likely to act like Stone Cold Steve Austin, would be my guess. What is Scott Frost? N- not winning enough. What is Mike Leach? I think Mike Leach is like off in the sandbox while everybody's playing football. Mike Leach is Mick like, Foley. Mike, yeah, I don't Mike even Leach know what is Mike mankind. Leach is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike Leach is Mike just Leach over is. there somewhere just minding his own business. Yeah. He's Mick Foley. He, he can says, be a heel. He, he can be a face. Too. Whatever you want. He does. He says whatever he wants, but he also spends so much time talking about nonsense that it's hard to stay on point with him. The thing about Leach is he it's sort of the Howard Stern thing. Like, you know, nobody get got shocked anymore after Howard Stern was on for a while because that's what you all, came to. You yeah. came to expect it from him. What's funny because they don't really do that stuff anymore. Now he just does those, you know, pretty good interviews. But he he got to the point where well, people were playing with Mike Leach. I mean, they would ask him, like, what's the best way to make a cake? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, like questions that nobody would get asked in other scenarios. But um, Mark Stoops is kind of just like neutral. Yeah, I don't think anybody. Eli Drinkwitz is neutral. Shane Beamer had a meltdown after the Georgia game last year, and I thought that was incredible. Drinkwitz Drinkwitz could become a heel in the right circumstance. Yeah, because he will he will talk. He will he will be funny. And I think Dan Mullen was trying to be a heel. Like the the yeah. Darth Vader press conference and the the 
A&M had too many people in the crowd, but now he's he's probably on TV. So Okay, I've got a few more for you. All this right. This was fun. You know what? I always feel like Chip Kelly could be a heel, but like he just wants to be he left alone. He doesn't want to. Yeah. He, he just he, wants to, he just wants to live in his own world. Yeah, he wants no part. He could absolutely be a great heel if he wanted to. He's so he's very smart, like he's so yeah. sharp. Like uh, he'd he would be amazing on New the mic. England beach. Yeah, he'd be amazing on the mic if if that was his choice, but he chooses not to do that. Um Herm Edwards. I see I don't think he's likable but cheating. <laughs> yes, yeah. Likable cheater? How many times have you come across that in your days? Very likable. But they did some really dumb stuff and yeah. it's not going well. And and two more players gone now. We knew the, the defensive tackle was was leaving. He's gonna go to Louisville. Uh they had a receiver, Ricky Pearsall, commit to Florida. So uh there's just not a lot not a lot of guys left who are contributors. Yeah. I'm gonna stump you on this one. Okay. Sark. I don't think he's a heel. I don't I, I think no he was a little too average at Washington to be one or the other. The USC thing, I don't think people But this being the head coach of Texas felt just bad for him. Just your existence as Texas's coach, I think, puts you in a category. I think that, Tom Herman was a heel at Texas. Oh yeah. The for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, horn the dancing sign. and the pretending to wear the backpack and the Yeah. Yeah. By the way, if I were a head coach, I would act like that. I know you would. I thought it was great. I'm convinced you would. I have no doubt. You would be fined by the I would be everybody. White Goodman from Dodgeball. <laughs> you made me bleed my own blood. Suck on that four eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You, you, would, you would absolutely. I don't think I would be good. offensive or mean to people, but like I would be funny. I would be funny. I would enjoy I it. I would enjoy that. winning. Well, that's so that's what Steve Spurrier was. He enjoyed winning, but he also enjoyed smiting his enemies. That was yeah. a big thing for him. Like, and I think that's that's a key in being a heel. Like, people need to know you you're doing this with a with there's some malice aforethought. Yeah. Luke Fickle's a baby face. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Mel Tucker. Baby face right now. Um, Who cares what he is? The guy just made a hundred mil. I see. Out of just, the transfer portal. He's just rolling in it. Shane that guy Beamer's doesn't care what face. he is. I'll be honest with you. That guy's got it made. Shane Beamer's a baby face. Takes the mayo bath. No problem. Um, it is. It's important, I guess, that we uh, that we bring this up. Brent Venables, because he's going to be. He's like got the Clemson ish vibe to him because of all the years he spent there but now he's also the head coach of a program that's going to be in the conversation nationally all the time and i'm i wondered like is he automatically a lovable hero because people want him to be like the anti-lincoln i think there's that and i think he's when he's on the mic he's very much a baby face but he's a maniac on the field like that adam smotherman that this assistant strength coach at Clemson who was his get back guy like that man did some hard work over the last bunch of years like he's constantly pulling him back off the field you ask Clemson players they think at some point Venables was going to run on the field and try to make a tackle like 
Yeah, no, he, he sweats a lot too, which is how scary. does how does he do that as a head coach? Because if he does, if he acts as a head coach the way he did as a DC, he will very quickly become a heel. Like people are not gonna like that. What's uh what's Kirk Ferentz? I don't think he's either. He's just kind of old. Yeah, yeah. He's just he, the longest tenured head coach in college. Yeah, football. I mean he he does. He, it's sort of like and Paul Chris is sort of in the same place. Like they overachieve quite a bit. They they develop guys. It's, it's great, but neither one of them wants to wants to rock the boat or say much. Kirk Ferentz in 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 conversations very engaging, but. Yeah. He's not gonna tell. He's not gonna say anything. Like he's not cutting a promo like Jimbo Fisher the other day. What's Brian Harson? <sighs> he doesn't want to be a heel. I don't think he wants to be a, baby. a heel to his own fan base. Yeah, he wants to be left <laughs> alone and just coach his team. I think, but the problem is that, that you can't be that in the SEC. Like that doesn't that's it doesn't work. There's no there's no job where you just get left alone to coach your team in the SEC. I just think, and pardon my French, but there's no other way to say it, I wish there were more head coaches that just talked shit. I agree. I, I So I was on, uh, I was on in Birmingham the other day, and Jim Dunaway was asking me, but don't you understand why Greg Sankey would want to muzzle these guys and why that would be bad for the league if they kept talking. I'm like, it would not be bad for the league. It would be great for the league. I understand why he would like to muzzle them, but it would be fantastic for the league because here we are talking about it. Thursday was the most fun I've had talking about college football in May in my entire life. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was the most outstanding press conference in the history of the sport. Now, here's the thing. You can't fake that, unfortunately, and that's like WWE, they fake that. Yeah. You can't fake that. I don't think we're going to get another press conference like that for another hundred years. But if guys would just say what's on their mind, like what my favorite press conference before that Jimbo Fisher press conference was the Jim Mora senior playoffs press conference. Playoffs? Playoffs? You're talking about playoffs? <laughs> he also had the, the offense sucked, the defense sucked, sucked. <laughs> special teams sucked. We didn't do diddly poo. Like, that's what I want from one of these guys. Yeah, I think that, and I don't think that that's a problem. But, you know, in college, it's just, you know, maybe that'll change in the NIL. Era. We, are, we, are, we are the stewards of a, an institution of higher education, or we can't possibly and they gotta do be that. so gauche. You got to make that noise while you're talking. You know, the puffing on the corn cob pipe? Oh, puff. Oh, what did I say? Did I say corn cob? I, not a corn cob pipe, but probably a nicer pipe. Yes, I agree. We, but we can't pop our peas or that guy who gave us the bad review will, will give us another bad review. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you need to be the guy who says, he doesn't say Harvard, he says, Harvard. How do you do? Harvard. <laughs> yeah, that that guy. So, well, sorry for hijacking the show on heel or not heel, but I no, thought that was a that's, fun game. You just you turned it into a great show, as yeah. you always do. Thank you. And bud. and I'm interested. So hit us up at Andy underscore Staples on Twitter at Ari Wasserman, or leave a five star review and hit us up with a question that we probably will answer on the show. But also feel free to make suggestions. Who are the heels we missed? Who are the baby faces we missed? Because I do think. And I hope you're right, Ari. I hope that with NIL, 
that, you know, a lot of the, I hate to say it, a lot of the BS is, is done now. Like the pretending that this isn't a business, pretending that it's some high-minded, you know, warrior poet society. Like it's not what it is. It's a giant multi-billion dollar business and it's an entertainment business. So if you guys want to be entertaining, go for it. It will make us love you more. Yeah. Amen, brother. And we already love you. So yes, that's it. I, I, I hope it happens. So Ari, I hope we get some more heels, some more baby faces, some more legit press conferences where people just freaking hate each other more using Let's the word narcissist go <laughs> right or or <laughs> co- comparing them sarcastically to jesus I mean, walks on water. lord yes yeah. this, <sighs> this is the greatest press conference of all time it i'm was. still on a high i mean i, I thought high. about it in the last four days or three days since it's happened and it literally is the most provocative press conference of all time in it, college it, football anyway it was tremendous college basketball somebody literally said they were going to kill somebody else I don't and know tried to choke them at, yeah i don't know in if the you can same top that. moment yes that um, it is very hard to beat uh can you imagine if youtube had existed when when john cheney tried to just choke john straight Calvary? out hurtful comments towards another person like yeah. if you like legitimately call somebody else a narcissist i think it's like the worst thing you could say about them it and like good. actually say it from a place where you believe it oh yeah like there was nothing held back but there was nothing exaggerated either in what Jimbo Fisher said it was 100% how he felt and basically said called him a cheater yes go look up at it like that's the thing that no one's talking about and I thought was the most inflammatory oh we talked thing. about it no I know but like I, like out there just like go oh, dig up in his past yeah. it's like literally just said that and it's like oh you mean from like the four years you're on his staff bro like what do you mean like what, what I want some well, when when else would he? <laughs> no, that's when he would really know it. Now, yeah. Now, look, when he was at Florida State, he and Nick Saban went toe yeah. to toe on recruits all the time. So, yeah. I just it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. We'll see if it if it blows up some more in Destin. I think they'll probably be on their best behavior, but there there will be more to that. There'll be a lot more this week. So on Tuesday. Ari and I will be with Audrey Snyder, our Penn State beat writer. We're going to do a state of the program on Penn State. We will ask Audrey if she thinks James Franklin's a heel. Uh, I don't. I think she'll probably take a little more measured tone on that as the beat writer. But Mike Golick Jr. joining us on Wednesday's show, and then Stars Matter on Thursday. Big week coming up on the Andy Staples Show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk.